You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Welcome to Momentum once again. It is Tim and Des with you, beaming all around Australia. Thanks to our radio stations taking the show. MomentumAustralia.org is our website. You can find previous episodes there and uh, have listened to all of the guests that we've uh, spoken to over the years. But it's uh, it's Tim and Des with you once again. Des, how are you, my friend? Are you good this week? Yeah, I'm good, man. It always good. It's really good to be able to sow into the lives of men, and you know, help them succeed in life. That's what it's all about. And and we've got a wonderful guest today, Mr. Brian Andrew, is a very dear friend and a very he would admit it, but he's a very clever man who's done life well, and that has to be acknowledged. And and so, Brian, welcome. Hey, thanks, Des and Tim. It's great to be with you. I'm with you guys. Anything we can do to encourage men. Yeah. So look, if you uh, tuned in last week, you would have heard our chat with Brian Andrew about uh, setting the, the, some of the, the basic things in relationship, um, what it meant to develop some of the, the, the key things in a relationship, having some emotional intelligence. Uh, we talked about the word intimacy and what does that look like. And uh, just before we go any further, I point you to Brian's website, livehappytogether.com. LiveHappyTogether.com.au. Uh, one of the things on the website is the man book, which we basically talked about last week briefly at the beginning of the show, but that will help you guys in developing um, a relationship, a good relationship with yourself, but in, more importantly, a good relationship with your partner and in, encourage you to give that a look. The man book, LiveHappyTogether.com.au. Brian, we, we started off by talking about some of the, the, the beginnings of a relationship, what that looks like, what that you know, um, feels like as far as for all of us, we're on this kind of high, we're in this different sense of state. Let's talk about then when we get into the relationship and things start to change. And, you know, the things that we love start irritating us. There might be a feeling of distance between us and our, and our wife or partner. Um, how do we start to broach that when we can feel that start to happen? Because the reality is it happens for everybody to some degree. Yeah, look, I think it does, and I think I sometimes use the kind of story that the tide goes out, uh, but it always comes back in. And when the tide's out, sometimes there's mudflats. It's awful. It's horrible. And I kind of relate that to love. Uh, And I recognise that some of our listeners will say, well, the tide went out and it sure as hang hasn't come back in. (laughs) I get that. But there's a general sense in which the emotional intensity of relationship it's a bit like the time it comes and goes it comes and goes and i think uh we we wouldn't be honest if we didn't admit that mm-hmm. how do we get it back when we've lost it is well you, you you can hope the title come back in uh but i think there's things we can do uh to bring the tide back in and um Moira and i have always been very intentional about date nights for example and i don't know where we picked that up along the way but um, we, we think we put rhythms into our life and even if we're busy, busy, busy and often you're busy when you're a younger person on the way up in terms of professional responsibility mm-hmm. and so on and then you find like we did you've got three kids under five and you've got professional responsibilities increasing and so forth and look, we put things into our life like one that I came across was the most difficult time for my wife when we had little kids was that five o'clock time, 4.35, bath and ready for dinner and all that. So I made a commitment to myself that for the next 12 months, I was going to get home by five instead of six. And being a typical male, 
when I did get home at six, I would expect the house to be clean and perfect, the kids <laughs> to be washed and perfect, and my wife to be suitably dressed and perfect, and the dinner to be perfect. <laughs> uh, my expectations were very unfair and unrealistic, and uh, for reasons I can't remember now, I, I thought, right, I'm going to make a commitment, but I won't tell Moira because I don't want to disappoint her. But for the next 12 months, I was home by 5 o'clock. And it just took the pressure off her. She was so grateful and that I made that effort and understood her world a bit better. And, of course, that kind of choice increases the emotional intensity of the relationship. Uh, and along with that, we decided once a week we were going to have a date night. And we didn't have any money to go somewhere nice or fancy, what we did, though, and what was also really awkward, a lot of guys all, uh, you know, identify with getting a babysitter. Mm. Well, if we can't afford a babysitter if we don't know someone or have family around, but we worked hard at getting a babysitter, and we'd go to the best hotel in the city we lived in and just have a coffee because we couldn't afford to have a meal. Mm. That was enough. Mm. That, that was a big win for me, Recogn- well, learning that, uh, I didn't have to feel inadequate that we didn't have the money to get mm. a fancy meal. Mm. But what she really wanted, she just wanted me. She just mm. wanted that I would listen. And she knew I was really busy. So she would actually write down things sometimes, must bring that up with Brian on the date night. And if we were, you know, cheeky and lucky enough, we used to get enough dinner with the coffee. So that was, <laughs> that was cool. But you know what I'm saying? We had rhythms. We had commitments. We weren't legalistic about them. For example, if on a given week the date night didn't happen, she wasn't keeping score. Mm-hmm. Now, I do understand some of you fellows listening have got a wife that keeps score. I'm sorry about that, but um, <laughs> uh, try to make it up for her uh, in some way. Brian, making space is one thing, okay? Let's talk to the guys who are listening right now and go, look, I, I try the date night thing. We're just not in a spot where we have healthy communication right now. So even though we may we may make the date night happen, we go out there, we either sit in uncomfortable awkwardness and we try and have conversation, or you know, we it it ends up being an argument and we storm out of the hotel and we go home in silence in the car. Speak to the guys in that space right now because there are guys listening who are in that space, and and how do they try and navigate that and I guess reignite even just basic communication with their wife. That's a great question, and because it's so relevant to, to all of us fellows, you know, um, I, we, we have things to learn. Like, I thought, we, we let each other choose, you know, like, I would choose one week, she would choose. So I thought going to the movies would be a good date night. And it took me a while to understand that things were a little quiet on the way home. <laughs> and I thought we'd had a date night. And she said, but we don't talk. Mm-hmm. Oh, Oh, you know, I think fellows were a bit slow sometimes. So we had to modify that. Look, I think if the relation, the other thing we had to do as well when we were able to have a meal out was we had to make two commitments. My commitment had to be that I wouldn't look at my watch. And Moira's commitment was that she wouldn't look at the price. Because that, when we were able to maybe afford a, you know, a basic meal, she's a steak girl, my girl too, loves a good steak. Okay. <laughs> um, she'd be she'd be muttering away there saying things like, fourteen ninety five for that steak? I could be three of them at home if they got it from there. And I'm like, that, I mean, that's frustrating for a guy. I'm taking yeah. my girl out. 
And then, and, but then she noticed. I tried to disguise that I was looking at my watch. But you know what? Women know. They notice <laughs> when we're looking at the time. And it's like they're thinking, don't you want to be with me? Yeah. You know, what, what is it? You want to get back to whatever it is at home you were doing? or? And later on, of course, we had a commitment to not to have our phones on. Yes. Unless, unless you know, like if we've got kids on the road or some issue maybe buzzing that needs, you know, that's okay. But um, I think if the relationship has got to the point where you're going to have a fight and an argument and a date night, you're, you're in trouble. Um, these things don't happen overnight. The inability to communicate well, you don't wake up and suddenly have that inability. It's actually been growing for quite some time. And if it was forensically analysed, you'd probably find a lack of respect, a uh, lack of courtesy, uh, the silent treatment, uh, the anger treatment. You know, so to me, there's probably that situation, Tim, you described is a symptom. A couple needs to sort of, they probably need help to unpackage. Why are we now so angry with each other? Um, why, when the circumstances work for us to have a beautiful date and we start fighting, um, you know, like there's every reason why this should be an enjoyable time, but it turns into a disaster. We've all been there. Um, so it's trying to think, well, how can we do that better next time? Or what's the real issue here? Yeah. You mentioned joy there. Let's talk about joy for a moment. And of course, for a guy, finding joy is generally having sex. And Des, I'm going to throw to you for this part because off the back of when couples reach that point where they, they can't communicate or whatever, it's likely that they're not having sex. And Des, the, where we want to go now is a conversation that you overheard. And I think this is really relevant to guys listening as well. So explain the scenario for us. Yeah, sure. You know, there's a imagine, you know, two young females talking, you know, maybe with their mother about their world and they're discussing intimacy with their partner. And the conversation goes something like this. One of the young daughters said, you know what, you know, when I have, well, my, my husband always wants to have sex. And, you know, to me, it's a chore. It's not a, it's not enjoyable. And so then the other one said, yeah, yeah, I feel that way too. And so that breakdown in that intimacy is a real, real issue for thousands and thousands of couples across Australia. And, you know, men are frustrated. They, you know, they don't know what they're doing wrong. They believe that that intimacy is part of their world. And so, you know, that leads to, you know, friction. It leads to bitterness, maybe. Uh, Brian, talk about that if you can. I just can't believe how common this has become. Uh, as uh, doing what I've done over the years and not just in my professional capacity but just my personal life and doing weddings and stuff and talking to people, I'm staggered at the lack of good sex. Uh, you would have thought that in the age of uh, movies and videos and all the rest of it, uh, Netflix, all the live streaming, uh, and you can go and buy the Kama Sutra, uh, I know, Tim and Dez, you won't know what that is. No idea. Never heard of it. This is a, that, you know, basically um, uh, describes positions and all the rest of it to accentuate the pleasure. But yeah. in the age where information on sex is more available than ever in history, we seem to have more sexual dysfunction. Um, we don't really know because I don't think there was hard data 
not even that long ago. But I, I met you guys, and I'm like, there's a few things that I picked up. One, it doesn't depend on the size of your tackle, fellas. You know, that is really not the issue. What is the <laughs> issue is the, is the thing that you've got to start thinking. Do you not know what the tackle is, Des? Uh, Tim will wrong, but... No, I, I was I was laughing at that because uh, well, first I just love the I love that description, the size of your tackle. I mean, I just, it's just funny. But um, but but I think I mean, just being really brutally honest, most men would probably be concerned about the size of the tackle. I mean, we we kind of get obsessed with it and go, well, I, I don't think you know, I'm not sure what average is and whether I'm average or not, and we get concerned about it. And I think we think that the our women are concerned about it, but I don't think they are. I think it's just us that are hung up about it, <laughs> the size of our tackle. Great sex comes when we men recognise that the woman's primary sexual organ is her brain. We think it might be her clitoris, you know, that gives her pleasure, but it's not because if her brain is not in a good space, doesn't matter what stimulation you might give in that area, it's not going to happen. Hmm. And I think if this is where it comes back to kindness, respect, listening, uh, all of those basic behaviours. I remember saying to some guys around the table, uh, there was wives and, and husbands, and they guys were complaining they weren't getting enough of it. And uh, we knew what they meant. It was um, um, in that setting. And I said, look, what you've got to do is start preparing for great sex at night in the morning. What do you mean by that? Well, you've got to treat her well in the morning. And, and I was explaining about the brain and how that's her most important sex organ. And I said, look, and they said, well, what do you mean? What do we do? I said, well, for example, give her a good compliment. You know, say how nice she looks and how much, oh, why the hell would we do that? <laughs> It'll give them a big head. It's literally, that's what they said. And I thought, oh, God, help these fellas, you know. Um, but those things are setting you up for great sex. Um, uh, a phone call or a flirty text or or, you know, building expectation. Um, I would throw into the mix too that great sex is not about the missionary position every Saturday night. You know, I mean, if you're in a rut like that, you want to be making love in every room of the house when the kids aren't there. You know, you want to be making love in different places and different settings. And I think there's different kinds of sex I've picked up over the years. And there's sex that's really um, comfort sex that maybe you've both been through a stressful time or somebody's hurting in your world and you just hold each other. And the sex is not almost primarily sex. It's about comfort. Hmm. I read in a book years ago that a healthy relationship too is where your wife might say to you when she can see that you're getting a bit, you know, interested in having some sex, uh, would you like a quickie? Well, I just thought that was a demeaning thing. It wasn't possible. It wasn't right in terms of how you treat a lady. Hey, but guess what? It can be. Sometimes a bloke just needs a cookie. And it's not like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, really. It's, it is some courtesy and kindness. You're not aggressive and all that. But she just tells that you're a bit tense or whatever, and a good wife will go, well, we don't have to get into the mode of foreplay uh, and, and taking time and all of that, which, which is a normal, that's the normal, that's the vast majority. But every now and then, and I read this in a book, and so I showed Moira, and she was, she was okay with that. She said, you know, that's, that's wise. So mm. there's comfort sex, there's quiet, uh, there's quick sex, there's uh, 
um, created sex, as you know, in the man book, Maura and I have found great pleasure in lovemaking outdoors in various parts of the world, in fact, and other parts. And there's a whole lot of wisdom needs to go with that and respect needs to go with that. And if the woman is not amenable to it, don't go there. Um, but we've been very creative. And we got that idea from the Bible where there's this kind of sex manual in the Bible called the Song of Solomon. Mm. And they talk about having sex out under the trees and the stars. And But I think great sex is not about uh, the female, you know, clitoris or the male appendage. Uh, it's really about emotional connection. Mm. I think a lot of people need some help with technique. Yeah. Like uh, I, as a young man, was staggered that in terms of arousal for great sex, I was ready in about 0.4 of a second. <laughs> My wife wasn't. And I remember musing on that. And I think I saw, that's right, I saw a book and it had a graph and it had male sexual arousal, which is basically from bottom to top, just almost vertically. And the woman's is more like an orchestral movement and she slowly moves towards that point. Yeah. And I remember musing uh, actually to God about that. And I thought, why did you make us so different? Hmm. And I felt God say, so you would learn how to love a woman. Hmm. That necessitates a man being patient and giving foreplay the respect and courtesy and consideration that it deserves. So if you really want a great, you know, can I say the word orgasm on radio anyway? If you really want that, it's not about um, competing or, or anything. It, it really comes out of. But some people do need help with the technique. Mm. Uh, and they need to get books or podcasts or um, talk to someone who might have. You know, I would have thought with all the information on sex available in our culture, people would be better at this, but they're actually not. Mm. We probably don't have time today, but porn has actually polluted the pond of good sex. Yeah. I, I sometimes have women say to me, I know my husband looks at porn, and yeah. when he's having sex with me, I feel like he's just masturbating inside of me because he's really thinking of the images that he saw on the screen, which is very sad, isn't it? Mm. Um, that it's yeah. not emotional connection, and that's not going to be great sex. Yeah. Mm. Wow, there is so much in there, Brian. We're going to take a, a short break to to cool off. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, let, let's come back because in all seriousness, one of the, the biggest things that can hamper this area of our lives is when kids come along. And so let's come back at the other side of the the, the break and and talk about how do we navigate this area when there's little ones in the house and all of these other demands on our time and how we may just not feel like this and yet this is still a part of our lives. You're listening with uh, Tim and Dez and Brian Andrew. This is Momentum All Around Australia. Stay tuned for part two in just a moment. Well, welcome back to Momentum. Uh, Tim and Des with you all around Australia. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. And uh, whew, we just had to take a short break and cool off after uh, Brian Andrew was uh, laying down some yeah. very... <laughs> he was on fire, literally. <laughs> well, he was talking about some very, very honest stuff, which yeah. we actually really appreciate Absolutely. on Momentum. That is why we're here. And uh, look, we were talking about when the flame starts to flicker, but it was more like when, when the sex is off the table or on the table, as the case may be, but let's not go back there. But Brian, look, let, let, let's talk about this because in all seriousness, you know, when we're when we're married, when we're in a relationship, um, you know, our partner, our wife, coming from a man's perspective, I mean, she is the person we go to to get our needs fulfilled. And when that isn't happening, that can lead men to do strange things. Some of it can be I look for it in all the wrong places, whether that's pornography or having an affair 
or you know i just shut down and she shuts down and then it becomes a sexless marriage so just speak into that space i guess for men who are may find themselves in that space for whatever reason that uh, you know the, the sex isn't on the table for them at the moment and they've gone well like i i still feel like i have this stuff inside of me i have these emotions like it hasn't gone anywhere it's just that my outlet currently isn't there so what what do they do with that yeah it's a very it's more common than i would have thought and i I think it's increased, not decreased. Uh, I think a lot of it comes back to things like respect uh, and certainly good communication and realistic expectation for that matter. Like we had three kids under five and, uh, you know, after the first one comes along, uh, my wife is feeding the kids, you know, with, with, with breastfeeding. Um, I thought... I'm probably not going to get much of a look in here for a while. <laughs> and but, but I had to learn that by experience. Yes. And I thought, well, okay, is that such a big price to – and then – and so I've said to some guys over the years, look, why would she want you messing with her breasts when she's trying to feed little kids and she's got milk and she's got – we need to just show her a bit of respect and just uh, uh, recognise that there are seasons where certain things – won't happen. And I think it can be incredibly difficult, but I think us fellows need to adjust their expectation to the season in life, mm. and, and especially when it comes to, say, little children. Uh, I knew an older guy who, when I knew him, he was older. He was probably younger than me, but he seemed really old. And he had seven kids, four were adopted, three natural birth. And he was talking to me one time, and he said, look, one of the best things that a married couple need to invest in is a lock on the bedroom door. Hmm. Well, didn't anyone say that before? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, look, what a wife wants more than anything, when it, well, not more than anything, but right up there, is privacy and no fear that one of the kids is going to come bursting in. Hmm. When they get children, and he just got a little $5 thing from a hardware shop, or, you know, with, and, and he, so he said he had that on the bedroom door and it gave his wife confidence to respond in lovemaking in a beautiful way that she didn't have when there was no lock on the door. Mm. Wow. I, I, that's one of the things that we um, instituted because mm. I thought, see, for us folks, we don't care. Yeah, like, right. We can go for it and enjoy ourselves sexually and whether someone's going to come in or not doesn't really, we don't care generally. <laughs> um, but women do care. Yeah, cool. uh, and I think respecting her, I think it, She's lost the desire entirely, you know, there are, she will need professional help. Um, we need, and I think sometimes there are medical reasons, and I'm not a doctor, of course, or a psychologist uh, for that matter, but uh, there are people around who are really skilled in that area, and yeah. it's a difficult one because if you bring that up with her, uh, often it's, there's a frustration on us guys' part, like we're not getting what we really feel we need. And she doesn't appear to be trying, you know. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't occur to us that she's really tired because she's been up three times in the night with mm. a child. And I think young men are much better than my generation at getting up in the night. Yeah. Uh, as for me, I have a significant hearing loss. So Moira heard me many years ago talk about how wonderful it was. We brought our kids home uh, from the hospital and they slept right through the night, right from the start. And my wife nearly fell off her chair laughing. She said, no, they didn't. You didn't hear them. And I think 
um, that's that was a blessing of not being good at hearing. You know, like I I thought the little suckers were asleep. Um, she was up. It, 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 I think people need help because, as you were saying, Tim, in the intro, if a man doesn't get his sexual needs met in the context where he thinks it's reasonable to expect it and so forth, he's going to be tempted. Hmm. I mean, everyone's tempted, but uh, I think that comes back to the core of the relationship. And I look, I think something thought came to me before, and that's this. I think marriage is more than a contract. You know, it's a covenant conceived by our creator. There was the chief rabbi in the UK. I read a great statement from him a few years back. And he said, marriage is perhaps the greatest idea in the history of civilization. And I've never heard it put like that before. So sometimes when I do weddings, I use that line. And, yeah. But I think it is. And I think, I'm trying to think of a non-religious way to say this, but I think sex is actually a holy thing. Uh, which sounds maybe a bit strange, but um, what's a better way of putting it? It's it, it's where you are at your most vulnerable. It's hmm. if you actually take the lens off of any seriousness at all, it's quite ridiculous. <laughs> you know, if you can laugh about it, you think, well, what are we trying to achieve here? You mean you want to, <laughs> that goes in there, and that's going to be fun and happy and. You know what I mean? It's, if you just step back a bit, sometimes things we humans do, like have sex, is quite absurd. Mm. Um, but, but then you come back to the fact that that's how we were created. And I think a huge win for me, and this is another staggering thing to me that guys often don't seem to know their wife has got a clitoris. And they'll say to me, what's that? And I'll, I'm not going to faint and fall on the floor. And I'll say, look, one of the things you need to do is do some research on this and find out that your wife has got a pleasure point that it's your responsibility to, um, uh, you know, help with the lovemaking. Really? Oh, can't you do that herself? Well, no. <laughs> well, yes, you probably can, but uh, you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, understand yes. the physiology of your wife, your partner, even just at a basic level. And but always I have that area of thinking, which is this is this is a special thing. It's a sacred thing. It's um, as I said, it's when we're at our most vulnerable. It's potentially a beautiful thing, and it's just between you. You know, like uh, marriage, according to Australian law, is that exclusive commitment mm. to the other. And I. I yeah, so I, I think get help if you need it. Get help. And don't, I would say you probably wouldn't ask your mother yes. or your father-in-law or your mother-in-law. I think, um, I think it's a very private thing, uh, a personal thing. But um, uh, it might, if you're in a church, maybe there's a couple there that look really happy and he looks like he's enjoying a sitting no, there. You wouldn't know that. You but, know. you know what? Um, <laughs> Uh, there are people around like me who uh, would be only too happy to have a coffee and share. And I always make the point in a situation like that um, that I'm not a sexologist. I'm not clinically trained. I can give you the benefit of the couple of 300 books I've read on your know, relationship. But sometimes it's mm -hmm. a physical condition and a woman <clears throat> doesn't respond sexually because of a physical, she needs to see a doctor. Right. So... We need to be patient and kind and understanding. Yes, yeah, key.
Brian, I want to go back to what Des was talking about before. And this is the conversation that was overheard about, you know, it's almost like a chore for a woman to to step into the bedroom with a man. And um, and again, I mean, I'd actually love to get a female on the show and actually ask them that question and go, when did it become that and why? What, what makes it a chore? Uh, and, I, and I'm trying to be open and honest here. I'm not trying to have a, a poke at women here, but but I'm curious to know why why some women would look at that and and for us as men to go what part of that is on us to go that we haven't created this experience for them that that we've just perhaps been selfish in the act that it's just become this thing for for a woman or that we haven't taken the time to romance and set the scene or whatever it may be but but why do you think that is and what what do you think men can do to to stop it from just being an act or a chore for a woman that it's actually an experience a beautiful experience for her as much as we want it to be for us yeah, and I think um, one of the answers, at least, uh, was was in your statement then about we've forgotten to romance her. Uh, and like I was talking about that group around the table that night, and these fellows weren't prepared to put on just a little bit of effort. And I said, what I think I hear you guys saying is that you're not prepared to put on any effort. You go off to work and you come and expect her to perform at peak sexual uh, energy level. I said, that's not fair. Mm. And they, they actually didn't have a clue. They just, they were good. They weren't bad men. They just didn't have a clue. And I tried to fault them a little bit, but I think we've got to come back to the thing of men understanding that uh, romancing our girls is critical for a great sexual experience. Uh, there could be medical issues, sometimes seasons of life. Maybe you need to make sure practically that you've got your KY or your lubricant, you know, just little things like that. I made a commitment, and this might sound a little bit unusual, probably, I don't know if it's unusual or not, but I read something, I think, when I was fairly young and married, and it said, before you go to bed at night, put a little bit of deodorant on and shave. And I did that every night for, seriously, decades. And and it was like, you might be thinking, oh, you get my hopes up. And I said, well, it, well I, it actually became a discipline, a habit. It wasn't hard. And Moira doesn't get excited if, if, if kissing an unshaved face. Mm. So I, I think that they're little things, but yes. they're little habits. So it made the possibility uh, stronger. Yes. And I think too, oh, this will take far too long, but just to give an essence of it, the fact is, if your wife or partners had previous lovers, they're actually in the bedroom with you mm. in a metaphorical sense. And the sexual experience she may have had before uh, may have been demeaning. It may have been a little violent. If she's your partner or wife now and she was someone else's before, why did that end? It might have ended because of what happened in the bedroom, which again is a symptom. So it's like you've got a shadow uh, until until that shadow goes. Uh, so sometimes a woman can be frightened and something you say or do triggers a memory. Mm. So she'll close up, literally mm. physically close up, but also emotionally close up. Mm. No idea what you've done wrong. Yeah. But that's where communication is important and yes. talking about it and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. And when it comes back to communication again, it comes back to intimacy in terms of your relationship and your openness and and all those things that you're able to to talk about what's happening in your sexual world. 
they're the things that most of us fellows are not very good at. Yeah. Hmm. You know, we struggle with that sort of thing. And, but I think that's no excuse to not learn and try to get, you know, as we talked earlier about <clears throat> the health of your own heart. Yeah. And I think most men, if it came to talking about their partner's previous sex, I mean, that's just almost a no-go zone. It's yes. like, mm. it's like, but perhaps she needs to talk to someone about it. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And, and the husband, if it's mystifying, like, why does she close up? Uh, I thought we were all good to go here. And the next thing you know, she's physically, literally closed up. And it's not easy to talk about it because often the man at that point is frustrated, maybe disappointed and even angry because he thought something good was going to happen. Mm, yeah. Quite often those things are symptoms, not causes. Brian, you talked earlier, and I think let's finish with this. Um, you talked earlier about, you know, sowing the seeds earlier in the day, uh, you know, being kind, romancing, you know, and throughout the day, just putting these little things in place to to romance your wife, so that you know at the end of the day, there's there's more of an opportunity. And we don't necessarily put expectation on that, but you're doing your part as a man. Um, and one of the key things I think, and we could spend a whole show on this, but I, I can't let today go without quickly touching on on love languages. And you know, there's the five love languages that I think it was Gary Chapman had many years ago. Um, and basically the way that we give and receive love, that because we can be speaking different languages and we can think that we're romancing our partner and we're speaking her love language, but we're actually not, we're missing it. And so we think we're loving her, but she's going, well, I don't feel love because it's not my love language. And so can we just quickly speak into that space and, and leave the guys with some tips around love languages and, and quickly the five are words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, and then gift giving or receiving gifts. So just quickly speak into that space for me. Look, I think a wise man, uh, a man who wants to invest in the relationship and really take it to a more healthy state, would Google that, the love languages. And look, you could listen to a podcast, you could get a book which assaults countless millions, uh, and it can really help you. When Moira read that book when it first came out, she looked up at me and she said, wow, this love language book is really helpful. You should read this. And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> Um, what annoyed me about that love language book was how much truth was in it. Mm. It annoyed me because I don't like being put in a box. Um, but more importantly, I learned that Moira uh, had a primary love language, which was quality time. Wow. And uh, I thought, you know, giving things I could do, like giving gifts and all that, but the big thing was quality time. Mm. And it didn't even cost me anything yeah. except the time so i think if you're just even remotely wise gentlemen you would find out what those five languages are love languages and talk to your uh wife about them and just say help me understand you i want to love you more effectively i'm struggling a bit we seem to have lost a little bit of closeness Um, um, that's it i'm glad you brought that up because it can really make a significant difference in a relationship yeah good yeah very good we're going to wrap up the show. Brian, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure having you on the show. But man, you've spoken so honestly uh, in the last couple of weeks and, and we just appreciate that because we as men, we need that. I mean, this is real talk right here. 
And, you know, there'll be guys listening who can completely identify with some of the stuff that we've talked about. And we just want to say, guys, if that is you, um, don't suffer in silence. Reach out to someone if it's in your world, whether you want to get in touch with us at Momentum at MomentumAustralia.org. Um, and look, maybe we can even patch you in, in touch with Brian and, and have a conversation with him and he might be able to help you in this area. But um, do not suffer in silence. Have a conversation if you need to and take some of these tips on board. Because this is this is really uh, simple yet effective stuff that you can do to um, either regain some intimacy or gain some intimacy back into your marriage. And Brian, we just want to thank you again for being a part of Momentum, man. We've we've loved having you on the show. Thank you for all that you've just sown into men's lives over the last couple of weeks. It's been awesome. Yeah, brilliant. Hey, been a great pleasure. Really appreciate both of you guys, and uh, always available to do what we can to encourage men yes, to amen. be their best self, if you like. Yeah, awesome. Well, we'll take you up on that. And uh, just quickly, Brian's website, livehappytogether.com.au, livehappytogether.com.au. You can check out the man book there, which we talked about in the last few weeks. And of course, our website at Momentum, momentumaustralia.org. We love to hear from you. And if you can financially support the show to help us keep helping men all around Australia, we'd love to have your support as well, momentumaustralia.org. Really appreciate you tuning in this week. Des, it's been a pleasure having you here, my friend. We'll talk yes. next week on Momentum all around Australia. Until then, you take care. God bless. You've been listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to momentumaustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at momentumaustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum. Momentum.